Good morning, everybody. Come on, come on, give it up one more time for all those kids that sang, everybody. And so come on, give it up for all the parents that were singing at home with all those kids. Yeah, yeah, we celebrate you because the kids couldn't get here unless you parents brought them and all that. So thank you, thank you. Uh, what a great season we're in. Uh, before we even kind of begin with the message, let me just give a shout out really to all of you guys that something supernatural really happened uh, in the last several weeks in the life of our church uh, where we received and we're talking for weeks, about five weeks, about our big year-end offering. And um, because of your generosity, come on, I don't know if you heard or not, but we received 43000 $593. Come on. We can clap a whole lot better than that, can't we? Come on. Phenomenal. Listen, this is like, wow, this is like crazy. I mean, this is crazy that everybody just jumped involved and, and, and gave and sacrificed so we could help that men's and women's home down in, in, in Tijuana and then renovate our Spectrum Kids classrooms downstairs here coming up in 2020 because of your generosity. I just, I can't thank you enough. Just something, something happened. I really believe in all of our hearts and, and, and it's not just a one-time deal. It, I, I really believe that, that we need to just keep pressing in and letting God do something in us and let God do something through us. How many believe that'd be a good idea? Amen, everybody? So I told the first service, and, and if you're with us, you've got some information, you know, from us just concerning this. And, and I can't just help but think that, you know, uh, because of all of, your, all of your generosity, you, you know, that uh, 43,000, let's put that back up there, guys. Uh, uh, 43,000, where'd it go? It vanished. Uh, there, $43,593. We're only $6,407 away from $50,000. And so I really, you know, I, I, it's, it's, that, that, that to me would be like a number that would be so crazy. So like God did something amazing that you'd never forget it till you day or died. And I'd never forget it. I mean, I'm not going to forget this, but, but uh, what if we all in the first service said yay to it? What if we all just believed God that maybe if you didn't get a chance to give and maybe you weren't prepared to give at that point, but between now and the end of the year that, that, that may, maybe, something, well, maybe something supernaturally happens to you in a financial way that you could give a little bit more. And, and how many of y'all believe that we just might be able to hit a $50,000 goal? Come on. Anybody got some faith for that? Come on, anybody believe that if God's something to you, you could get God to get something through you? Come on, come on. I'm, I'm, not, I'm just saying if God got something to you extra, that, that you would have something extra to give. Come, come on, have you just, we, that's how we can believe God for. And so, you know, Kimberly and I, we, 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 we dug deep, we sacrificed, uh, you know, and, and, and just with this, you know, I'm going to go into some secret stash. I got, come on, anybody got some secret stash at your house? I'm not talking about what you used to smoke. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Come on, somebody going, yeah, I got some secrets to ask. No, I'm, talk I'm talking about, you know, maybe some little extra money somewhere. Um, and, 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 and we're going we're gonna to give some more. Because I just, I, I, I don't know. We're so close to $50,000, and it's just a number. But I, 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 just, I, just, I just think we can do it. I, I heard of a church. Let me, let me say it this way. Uh, there's a church in Oklahoma, pastored by a guy named Mike Todd. He's 34 or 36, and what makes it, makes it amazing is that he's an African-American young guy that's been serving the church of a white pastor for about 10 years. 
The pastor sensed about three or four years ago, said, my season's done. I'm going to give you the church. The church was 300, something like that. Churches ballooned thousands. Listen, thousands now. They bought and they believed God. God dropped in their heart to buy this empty building in Tulsa that used to be a bank that was that was, I don't know, it was $10 million or $20 million valued. or No, it was $55 million what they built it for. The church put a bid in and bought the building for $10 million. Supernaturally bought it. Crazy. And you know what they did this past week? This church of a bunch of young people. Listen, multiracial, multi, not millionaires. A bunch of people just like all y'all and all of me. <laughs> they gave away $1.2 million dollars. To people in their church, to ministries outside, to missions organizations, a church gave away. A church poured into people, and then their hearts were changed, and they gave away. Listen, heaven records that, and heaven is recording all your giving and what we're doing here at the church. I think we can hit $50,000. Come on, somebody. I think we can do it. So, so if you want to give in that, just put big year offering now to the end of the year. Give online, whatever you want to do. And I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to believe God that God does something. Come on, everybody. Amen, everybody. Hey, today's our last, uh, our last uh, three-part series of this mini-series, if you will, called King Jesus. And first, we talked about two weeks ago that, that, that Jesus came through the virgin birth. That's very important because we realized that Jesus was totally 100% sinless. That's why he came, and that's why he could deliver us and redeem us, that he was sin-free, sinless. And then we found out last week uh, a great reason why he came, that, that not only that he's sinless, but, but now he came and he lived among us, and he's with us, and he's showing us what, what to do and showing us how to act and, and showing us how we can actually live life. But, but today, really, I want to talk about where Jesus is, where Jesus is. Uh, and and may, maybe today you've never heard, maybe today uh, you think he's only one place, but I want to tell you today, he's actually two places at least. I want to talk about that a little bit today and kind of, if you've never been to church before and this is your first time you came hanging out with some friends and want to hear some kids sing, uh, we're excited that you're here today and we like to just kind of talk about the gospel and the good news so that anybody where they rolled up here out of the street and never heard Jesus or opened up a Bible, you, you'd be able to understand what we're talking about. So let me backtrack a little bit and talk to you about what happened before the event of Jesus leaving the earth. Jesus was born, we know, uh, through the virgin birth, Mary, we read the story about it, and, and we believe that. That's the basis of our faith, the Christian faith. And, and then he, uh, when he turned about 30 years old, that's when he had what we say is his public ministry. He began teaching and preaching and leading and healing. He got the 12 disciples together. He went from city to city, all in that you know very small region in Bethlehem and Nazareth and Galilee in Israel that you could go visit the sites today and do an Israeli tour and see where he was. Uh, but, but after he did that, then we do know that he was persecuted. He, he suffered. He went to the cross to pay for our sins, and, and he, he, he was killed. He, he, he died, and he was three days in the grave, but the scripture says three days later he arose. Come on, somebody. He arose. That, that's called the resurrection, that Jesus, we celebrate that in about four months at Easter, that Jesus actually rose from the dead. Uh, but, but there's, after he rose from the dead, he, he didn't just immediately leave and go to heaven. 
The Bible says in the book of Acts, chapter 1, that he hung out on the earth for 40 days. So after he was, you know, suffered and died, after three days later, he rose. He was on the earth for 40 days. And the Bible says it was kind of like the last time that he was hanging out with his disciples. And he, he had signs and wonders and miracles. He was, he was talking about who he was and kind of giving them last-minute instructions. It's kind of like maybe you've experienced, if you've been around close to anybody, the, the, a loved one that's, that's dying, and they, they get family together, and you're telling them what, what's really important in your last kind of hours that you're alive or weeks or days that you're alive. And, and that's what Jesus is doing, and he's, he's showing himself who's he, that he's really the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords and, and by, by several things that, that, that people actually saw this. Uh, on one occasion... He was actually his, uh, Peter and, and Andrew and James and John are out there in the Sea of Galilee fishing. And, and the Bible says Jesus is on the, uh, on, the, on the shore of Galilee. And he's made some coals of fire and he's cooking fish. Come on, how many know fish tacos is always good? That's good news. Come on, somebody. And so he's cooking fish tacos and, and they see who he is. And, and he says, hey, y'all caught any fish? And, and they said, no. And he says, well, just cast your net on the other side. And, and they throw their net on the other side and it starts sinking their boat. And Peter goes, that's Jesus, and he jumps in, and he goes hanging out, and, and there's Jesus, uh, the resurrected Jesus, eating fish and hanging out and talking with them, kind of blowing their mind, if you will. Uh, on another occasion, uh, uh, on the road to Emmaus, the scripture says in the book of Luke, uh, these two guys were bemoaning the fact that Jesus has already died, and he had gone, and they hadn't seen him, and, and they're saying, where is he? We thought he's going to redeem us. And if you, if you read the Bible a little bit, you understand that they were thinking that the Messiah, Jesus, or the Messiah was going to come and deliver them from Roman persecution. They were going to get their nation back. That's what they thought the deliverer was really going to do. They were looking for a new government, and God was looking for a new kingdom. Who cares if it's Democrat or Republican? Who cares if it's impeachment or no impeachment? Come on, serve Jesus, everybody. Amen? Come on, serve Jesus. And, and so, so, so Jesus, all of a sudden, as these guys are wondering what's going on, he just drops right in the middle of their conversation and starts talking to them about what they're talking about and opens up their eyes to Old Testament scriptures, the Bible says, about what the prophets said about the Messiah coming. And they went, man, we got to have you come to our house. They didn't know who he was. They didn't know who he was. And so Jesus comes to their house, the Bible says, and, and they get eaten. And, and Jesus prays for the food. And when he prayed for the food, their eyes were opened, the scripture says. And, they, and all of a sudden, he recognized that they knew who he was, and he vanishes. And the guy said to one another, didn't our heart burn within us when he was talking to us on the road? How many know when you get into God's word and you just hang around some people talking about Jesus, something's going to happen up here in your heart? Come on, everybody. On another occasion, uh, the, the, the disciples were together, and, and Thomas wasn't with them. And all of a sudden, Jesus just pops right through the room. Again, he's got a glorified body. He can just show up. Walls don't stop him. Come on. He, 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 come on. How many of you know that it'd be, it'd be something if you're on the traffic on, on 805 tomorrow morning, all of a sudden, Jesus is sitting in your seat next to you? He could do it. Come on. How many of you know you need it coming home in traffic? Say amen. Come on, somebody. Uh, but, but he just all of a sudden showed up, and, and, but Thomas wasn't there. And so later, Thomas comes in the room, and they said, Jesus was just here. Thomas says, I ain't going to believe. I don't, I'm not going to believe unless I see his hands, those piercing in his hands. And I'm, I'm not going to believe unless I see that piercing in his side where he was pierced with a sword. I'm not going to believe. All of a sudden, Jesus pops right through the wall again and says, here I am. <laughs> and says, Thomas, touch my hands. 
touched my side. He says this, don't be faithless, but be believing. Don't be faithless, but be believing. On one occasion, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 500 people saw the resurrected Jesus at one time. Seven disciples saw him alive on the Sea of Galilee. Mary Magdalene saw him at the tomb. We have three women, the mother of James, Salome, and Joanna, saw him alive. Listen to me. Jesus is still alive. Can you say amen? Yeah. Whoever's whistling, I like that whistle right there. You can whistle some more. Come on. So let me read you what happened here, though, though Jesus is alive. So again, get it? Jesus was on the earth for about 33 years or so, they believe. You know, the last three is when he's preaching, teaching, healing. Then he's, he's persecuted. He suffers. He dies. He's on the cross. He, he dies. He goes to the tomb. He's raised three days later. He's 40 days doing what we just said, talking to his guys. Here's the last scriptures we got of him right here. These are the last scriptures in red letters. If you got a red letter Bible, this is the last thing Jesus said in the book of Acts. His last words. Here's what he says in Acts 1.8. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. This is your job. This is my job right now. This is what I am to do. This is what you're to do everywhere. At work, at home, at Starbucks, at Donnie's Cafe, wherever you go. Come on, at Tacos del Gordo. Shout, yes, somebody. Come on. Wherever you go, you are to be a witness. What are you to say? I don't know what to say. I don't know the Bible. I don't care if you don't know the Bible at all. Tell people what God did for you. That's all you tell them. You're a witness. You see a car wreck down here at the end by Soapy Joe's when you're at the end. All of a sudden, somebody T-bones somebody when you're leaving church. God, I hope it doesn't happen, but all of a sudden, somebody T-bones each other. They ran a red light. What's going to happen is the Bonita Sheriff, the sheriffs are going to show up. They're going to go to everybody at all those four corners, the one by Soapy Joe's, the one heading west, the one heading east, the one coming from Plaza Bonita. They're going to ask everybody, what did you see? Tell me what you see. Be a witness of what you saw. You can't say what the other person said. They can't say what you saw. You tell what you saw. The Holy Spirit comes into your life to be a witness. That's what Jesus said. So you need the Holy Spirit. You need the power of the third person, the Trinity, called the Holy Spirit. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? You need the God, the Holy Spirit, in your life every single day. So after this, though, check it out. After saying this, look what it says here in verse 9. He was taken up in a cloud while they were watching. They could no longer see him. So here's Jesus. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you're going to be witnesses to me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. And after he said it, all of a sudden, he just starts rising. He starts rising. I don't know what's going on in your heart, but if I was there for three and a half years, I hung out with this man, this God-man named Jesus. I saw things I've never seen. I saw 5,000 men plus women and children eat from a little five loaves and two um, fish lunch. I saw blind see. I saw deaf hear. I saw Lazarus who was dead for four days raised from the dead. I saw demon people healed. I saw crazy stuff. And now I saw him I saw him dead on that cross. And now he came back. And now there he's going. If that was going on, I don't know about you, I'd probably try to jump up and hang under his legs. Come on, somebody. Like, don't leave. Don't leave. Come on, somebody. You cry when your babies go. Come on. Don't leave. <laughs> uh, but there he went. And they're just sitting there staring into heaven. Check it out. Verse 10. 
as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white men, uh, uh, excuse me. <laughs> two, two, two white robed men. Jesus. <laughs> That's funny. Two white robed men. I just lost my train of thought right there. Here we go. Two white robed men. These are angels, guys. We don't know what angels look like. I mean, as far as coloration. Come on, how many of them could be black, brown, yellow, green? Come on, somebody. Come on. Uh, uh, two white robed men suddenly stood among them. These are angels. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you star here staring into heaven? Why, why are you just looking into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. But someday, come on, somebody yell someday. someday. He will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. The way he went up is the way he's coming back. Come on, somebody, that's good news right there. This is called the ascension. The ascension. So the resurrection is he got up out of the grave, dead and alive. The ascension is he was on the earth with his glorified body, and he ascended to heaven. So come on, yeah, let me, no trick question, but where's Jesus right now? Come on, somebody say heaven. Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians 1. God raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that's named, not only this age, but also that which is to come. Peter says this in 1 Peter 3.22. Now Christ has gone into heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God. And all the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. So scripturally, we know after Jesus ascended, he, what Peter says here, he's gone to heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God. God the Father is there. He's seated on that throne right next to him. He is ruling and reigning. There is no limitation to Jesus now. He, there's no limitation that he's subject to on the earth being in just a body. He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. The psalmist says this in Psalm 11 verse 4, the Lord is in his holy temple and the Lord's throne is in heaven. He is in heaven right now. That is where he is. He is on the throne of Almighty God. It says in Psalm 103, verse 19, The Lord established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Once again, it doesn't make a difference who's in political power, who you're for, who you're against. Vote your conscience, I pray. It doesn't make a difference what it looks like, what it doesn't look like. Jesus Christ is ruling. Come on, somebody. He is reigning, and he wants to rule and reign in your life. So listen, just give him some room. Whatever's going on in your life right now, whatever it looks like it might be going sideways in your life right now, he is ruling and he is reigning. And come on, in 2020, he can turn things around from you quicker than you think is humanly possible in Jesus' name. So we know scripturally, it's absolutely 100% true that Jesus is in a place called heaven. But the trick question for you that I kind of was leaning towards you this morning is, is that the only place he is? Is that the only place he is? Now, now we know the scripture says that he's omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. That's what it means. He's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. Meaning, you don't have to go far. God's here right now. Come on, how many, how many know you're, in a, you're pushing a buggy in the middle of Walmart? God's up there in Walmart with you. And how many know you need God in Walmart? Yeah. He's right there with you. He's right there with you. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's close as a prayer. 
you know, probably the greatest prayer somebody said, this theologian prayer, uh, prayed and said, the, the greatest prayer you can pray is just help. Help. I need help. And he'll come to your aid and help. But Jesus said something amazing. I want to talk about it, kind of lean towards you in the last next just 12, 15 minutes before we go. It's not that God is just in heaven. Because as a kid, listen, I've been growing, I grew up in church all my life, and maybe you did too. And, 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 and people would talk about heaven and can't wait to go to heaven. And, you know, 30 or 40 years ago, there was a bunch of songs about heaven. It seems like there's more songs written about heaven when people are going through tough times. <laughs> Let me get out of here. Kind of like I need to get out of here. I'm going to sing about some heaven right now. And heaven's amazing. I want, I, I'm, I'm planning on going to heaven. I hope you are too. And I'll tell you at the end of the service how you can get there. Listen, not how you wonder and, and maybe and cross my fingers, wish. No, no, no. Hope so, no so, going to be so. Faith that you can have that you can make heaven your home. I'll tell you how. I'll tell you how, guaranteed. But Jesus wasn't just concerned about getting, uh, about getting you to heaven. That is the big deal. That, that is to spend eternity with him there. But listen, I need... Heaven here with me now. I need some heaven up in here in my relationship with my wife when we go sideways. I need some heaven in here when I got some teenagers in junior high give me some lip back. Come on, somebody. I need some heaven when, 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 when somebody's nudging up on me and kind of like crowding me in my life. I, I need some heaven when I'm getting bullied at school. I need some heaven... Because of all the stuff that's gone on in my past. Jesus didn't come just to get you to heaven. He came for a way to get heaven into you right now. So let's say it this way. Look on the screen. Jesus came here so you could be there. But also Jesus came here so you could be near. But the question then would be, how Near. How near? I, I, I'm concerned sometimes, and we sing songs like, you know, we sing songs um, uh, like this at church. I think, I don't know if we sang one this morning. Um, uh, that that, that we're, we're, we're sometimes singing songs about trying to get God to do something when the scripture already says he already did it. Or we're praying prayers about God, God, do, do this and ha do, oh God, oh God. And God's saying, would, would y'all just read my word? I already said I'd do that for you do that for you. So Jesus says something amazing in John 14. I'm going to draw your attention to it. In John 14, and this is kind of one of these scriptures. If you've ever been to a funeral, the preacher man, or one of the people talking up here, you're probably going to read this. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation, so I'll say it a little bit differently. Here's what he says. Jesus talking in John 14, 1. Don't worry or surrender to your fear. For you believed in God, now trust and believe in me. So Jesus is talking, telling his disciples this right then. Guys, don't worry. Don't surrender to your fear. You already told him. And what he's really talking to those guys about is, I, I told you, when I leave, you're going to be persecuted. There's going to be people killing you. They're, they're going to take you to the cleaners, if you will, if you know what I mean. They're going to beat you. They're going to torture you, just like, just like that's coming for me. So don't fear. Just don't worry. Because I'm, I'm going to be with you. He says, he says, you, you guys believe in God? Now, now trust me. Believe in me. Uh, one translation says, don't let your heart surrender to stress. And don't let your heart flutter like just nervous about two, the 2020, the situation with the job or, or that doctor's report. Don't, don't let your heart fear. Why? 
because I'm not just in heaven. I'm near. I'm near to you. I'm near to you. He says this in verse 2. My father's house has many dwelling places. If it were otherwise, I would tell you plainly, because I go to prepare a place for you to rest. Now, some of y'all have some different translations, like New King James or NIV or whatever like that in your Bible. And it says, my father has many mansions, many many mansions, and I, I'm going to go pr- prepare a place for you. And, and so I, I grew up in church, and, and the preacher would be preaching and saying, I can't wait to go to heaven. Maybe you heard this. I can't wait to go to heaven because th- there's mansions in the sky for waiting for you. You got that beach house. Come on, you got that La Jolla mansion. Come on, you, you're going to have a spot that nobody can do because Jesus has gone to heaven. And come on, his father was a carpenter. Come on, Jesus' daddy was a carpenter. And and Jesus probably got some carpentry skills, and he's up there just hammering and sawing away. Is that what you think the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, doing up in heaven right now? Brick and mortar, laying down beautiful aggregate sidewalk, and he's pouring, and he's, come on, he's got some subway tile in your kitchen. That's not what he's talking about. Another translation says, there are many homes, many homes in my father's household. This is not just heaven. This is not just heaven. But this is the dwelling place of God, which is among men. God said, I'm going to dwell among you. I'm going to dwell among you. So yes, You're going to spend eternity with me when you live, when you leave this earth and your time is up. Everybody that says yes to me is going to spend eternity with me in a place called heaven. But I don't just want you to think only about that. I need you to think about me living in you right here. Right here. So every nation, every ethnicity, in the body of Christ is now the house of God. If you remember in the Old Testament, they, they had this portable uh, portable uh, church, we'd call it, called a tabernacle. They would set it up and tear it down. It's kind of like a portable church. If you've ever been to church, a startup church that's met in a high school gym or something like that, set up, tear down, light, sound, everybody, kids, classrooms. That's what was going on in the Old Testament. They'd have sacrifices, boom. The Bible said that God said, when, when I move, when the cloud moves or the, or the pillar of fire moves, the church is moving with me. The temple's moving with me. The tabernacle is moving with me. So they would move from place to place as God led them. And, and yet then God, uh, David says, I want to build you a permanent place, God, the temple. And so David built a place kind of like a church, if you will. And they would sacrifice and they would worship. And, and that's where the fight is, if you will, over in Jerusalem uh, for, for that holy mount there between the Muslims and, and the Christians right now uh, for that site because that is the site that God, Jesus Jesus said, Messiah said, he's going to come back. That's a holy sight between Abraham and this, this is, it's just an amazing place. Uh, but, but, but God was always after a place, but the place wasn't just the church. The place wasn't the tabernacle. The place wasn't the tent. Listen, the place is you. You now. You now are a place where God said, I want to move into and inside you. And he does it 
by the new birth. What do you mean by that? When you say yes to him, you're born again on the inside. You get a new life. You get a new nature. And that's what Jesus was talking about. I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Yes, heaven, 100%, wonderful. At the end of our life, we're going. But now in this life, I need heaven. I need Jesus. I need God. I need the Holy Spirit living in my life on a Monday morning in a difficult meeting with workers, in a crazy situation sitting across from a doctor and he's giving me a negative report. I need God right then. Can you say amen? Yeah. So he says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you to rest. And what was that going? Was that going again? That I'm going to go to heaven and, and I'm going to, like I've heard, I, I, I'm going to float around heaven and just kind of play a little violin and, come on, eat carne asada. Is that, is that what you're going to be doing in heaven? On the contrary, the Bible says you're going to be ruling and reigning with him. A ruler rules. Somebody reigning is reigning over something. I don't exactly know what all that means, but it's a whole lot deeper than you just floating around listening to, you know, cartoons. So Jesus going through death, listen, Jesus going through death and being resurrected was in order to make us spiritually alive to be, in, to be his dwelling place. And the place he had to go, we know from Scripture, was not to heaven, but the place he had to go was the cross. I've got to go to the cross to make a way for you to get to heaven. I've got to go to the cross to make a way for me to come into you. So can I tell you something? For the rest of your life, everybody that makes Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, the worst thing you could say is, God is with me. He is with you. But listen to me. The greater thought is God is in me. He's in me. I, I love it when I can hang hang on like we did last night. Kim and I walked in a Christmas circle with our granddaughter and, and her son-in-law. Just hanging out, walking around. I love holding her hand, walking, seeing stuff. It's amazing. She's with me. But if she's not with me, I, I, you know, I can sense her. She, you know, she's here. We've been married for 35 years. But Jesus said, it's totally different. I'm just not going to be with you. I'm going to live on the inside of you. So you're never alone. You're never deserted. You're never forsaken. I don't have to pray, God, God, God. Oh, begging. He's in me. He's a father. Jesus is here. He wants me to talk to him and just have a relationship with him and talk just like I'm talking to a friend. Maybe you need to develop that a little bit more in the new year. Join, help us. Help, help us help you with 21 days of prayer and fasting. Go, go, go on Amazon and buy that 21-day devotional. And for the next, for, for 21 days, just read a few of those, those, those chapters, those, those words in the, each chapter. And watch what God does in your life is you draw near to him and you're going to sense his presence even come closer and closer to your life. Jesus says this and finishes this thought in verse 3. He says, when everything's ready, John 14, 3, when everything's ready, I'm going to come back and take you to myself that where I am, you'll be also. Uh, and we know that the scriptures, John actually says this is 
a close disciple in the book of Revelation, uh, that the church now, which is you and me, that, that we'll really, we're like the bride. We're, we're the bride of Christ, and, and he's taking us. That's what Jesus is saying, that he, he's taking us as a, as a bride, and he's bringing us through his death and through his resurrection. So when we give our life to Jesus, we, we, we really are raised, and, and we're brought to a new place with him based on everything he did for us. So, so, so John says this in, in verse 1, 2, and 3, that three things that Jesus does is that, number one, Jesus gives us peace. And so maybe you're in a tough time right now. Maybe it's, maybe it's been brutal. Maybe 2019's been just, just out, crazy. Listen, Jesus' word to you is don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be agitated. Don't give in to stress and don't give in to fear. I, I'm working for you right now. It might not look like it, but, but my word's true. You can count on me. Uh, the, the foundation of your life is peace. I, I'm going to give you peace. He said, I'm going to give you a place, number two. Jesus gives us a place. What is that place? It's, it, the place is continual fellowship and relationship and connection with him. Always, forever. Oh, you know, if I sin, if I, if I do something wrong, if I mess up, when I say, Father, forgive me, he puts me and you right back in right standing and our relationship is restored just like it would be if I messed up with Kimberly and I said, I talked out of line, forgive me. Everybody knows that weird thing. Everybody knows that, that distance between a, a friend or a spouse or that, that you've got to get it right. You've got to confess your sin. I was wrong. I said something. But for, and then he gives us a place of continual fellowship and he said he's going to give us a promise. What's the promise? Promise that since he was resurrected, thank God, when we die, thank God, we're going to spend eternity with him one day. Amen? But not just that. I need him right now in 2019 and going to 2020. I need him. And he says, that's why I came. Not just I'm in heaven, but I'm here right now with you. Paul says this last scripture I'll read to you. If you don't know this scripture, key scripture in the New Testament, the book of Ephesians, the apostle Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, that just simply means sin. He made us alive together with Christ by grace you've been saved. And he raised us up together and he made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Check that out, guys. Listen, the minute you say yes to Jesus, you now live in two places. You live here, but spiritually, you're with him there. You're here on earth, but you're there in heaven. So the minute you pray and say yes to Jesus, the Bible says, he positionally, allows you to be raised and no longer are you just earthbound and limited and have to go through stuff that people honestly listen who don't know God have to go through you don't have to go through the stress and the and and, and the pain and the trauma of not knowing if God's still for you or God could forgive you or God could work in the situation you can have confidence and trust that if God's for me who can be against me? Come on, that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Come on, say yes, amen. Come on. So his cross, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. But listen to me. You and I now bear his cross. 
we die to ourselves, we say yes to him. And even water baptism, symbolically, we go under the water and we're raised, resurrected, if you will, to say, I can walk in a new life because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is now living on the inside of me. He's not just in heaven, but he's living on the inside of me. So can I watch that if the King is not just with me, but he's in me? Can I go there? How would I still feel comfortable going there if not only he's with me, but he's in me? Could I get on the internet and do that and watch that if he's not only with me, but he's in me? It'll cause you and I to have a holy fear and a reverence. And can I say that to Kimberly? If he's in me, not just with me, what would he say? What would he do? Changes how I want to live. It changes how I want to talk to you and communicate with people who don't know Christ and how I live my life in, in holiness and purity and, and, and mess up time after time. But God, forgive me. I want to get it right. Why? Because it's not just me going to heaven. It's you in my life now so that I and you could be witnesses in our region for Jesus Christ. Can you say amen and amen? Come on, somebody clap and give God some praise in the room today. Yeah. Come on, bow your head.